Hi. My name's Julian. Wait, Wait. That wasn't right. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> You're supposed to say hi. I was supposed to say hello. Oh, really? You say <laughs> hello and I say hi. Isn't that how the song goes? <laughs> you nailed it. All right. Am I keeping this in or are we starting all oh, over? Oh, 100%. This is fantastic. All right. Hello. Wait, no. Hi. <laughs> hello. I'm Julian. That's more natural. And I'm Tom. And we're Team Binge. And thank you for joining us for episode seven of Outer Range. This is known as the unknown. The episode is known <laughs> as the unknown. That's a sentence that makes sense. Um, I just noticed, as much as the show does. Yes, just as much as the show does. I would like to. I would like to say something at to the top, Tom. Mm-hmm. I would like to uh, give us all the credit that we deserve. Um, you know, we don't get a lot of thank yous or, you know, listens, but we are called team binge and we are kind of the opposite of binge. So I don't know if we named ourselves that ironically, but we literally watch shows week to week. And I was listening to someone talk about this today about like the instant gratification of being able to like watch 12 episodes of a show over the course of like two days. And Mm -hmm. I think because of us and the people that listen to us, once again, no one's ever thanked us for this, Um, (laughs) but we kind of force them to watch things a week at a time. And it's like a slow Mm -hmm. burn. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know how when you smoke a cigarette and you smoke it over the course of several days, like, and it just feels better. (laughs) Um, we're a slow burn, just like that. I'm, I'm assuming that's where that um, phrase comes from. Um, so I would just like to pat us on the back that we have gone out of our way to show restraint of not mm-hmm. watching this show when we could have mm-hmm. and doing it week to week. And for all of those people that don't listen and do listen, you're welcome. That's all I have to say. I just wanted yeah, to point that's fair. that out. I mean, yeah, you could make the argument maybe we should have been called the anti-binge. Like, that could have been our preface going into these sure. recordings of podcasts. But we're a team, we're telling Tom. people, hey, slow down. We are. We are a team and always will be. Um, but, yeah, I do, like, we were talking about before we went on mic, uh, watching other shows like um, Stranger Things, which has been fantastic. The most recent seasons have been a lot of fun. Um, but it's one that they just do that dump. And I think they're doing two seasons or two parts of the season. But when they throw them all at you... You watch it for a weekend, you talk about it with your friends, and then you just kind of move on. It's fun to kind of digest the show. I think especially something like this it has got a little bit more of a mystery element sure. uh, to kind of take your time and think through it. Uh, but it's also one of those shows that every time you finish recording a pod, I want to get to that next one. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to call us heroes, but we are. <laughs> and so every time corporate America makes one of those commercials where they thank someone like, I don't know, first responders or people for stopping racism. I like to think we're in that group. We too we're are in that heroes. category. You're welcome. Dodge Ram trucks for ending. I don't know something. Uh, anyways, that's my, that's where my headspace is at right now. Uh, I feel really good. I feel really good. So good. Watch this transition that I'd love to go roller skating. And that's where this oh. episode starts us in the roller rink. Mm-hmm. We got ourselves not a flash forward, but a flash back. And we're in the past, and we know it's the past because people are at a roller roller rink. Um, I didn't. I didn't have a time frame on this though. Did you have a time frame? 
I don't know. The only thing I could think of is maybe Perry is as a nine here. So they're playing on like the same age range that Royal showed up at the Abbott Ranch and kind of came up from the void. So that would be my guess. I don't know what exact year that would be. But Okay. So you think they're mirroring his age when he came through the hole as to uh, the age where Perry was awoken to the sweet, sweet feeling of murdering <laughs> someone with his bare hands at the at murderous the age rage. Yeah. Oh man, I got a lot of questions about everything that everything that happened here. Um, but yeah, we open it with Perry as he loves to do, holding someone down and beating them mm. in the face repeatedly. Um, mm. While I'm assuming Rhett watches, I don't know. Uh, I thought it was Billy he was beating up, but you think it's who? It's Trevor. Yeah, I think uh, Patricia comes on and like says like, oh, she started beating Trevor unprovoked and blah, blah, blah. So I think what they're doing is like playing on the idea that Perry is destined to beat Trevor to a pulp. Sure. Like at some point in life, he did it when he was a kid. Who knows if he did it later in life? Um, but clearly that's what happened in the end of Trevor's life. Do you think at his grown-up age, he's now remembering all the people he punched in the face at nine and something in him is like, <laughs> I need to go around and uh, systematically murder them? Because that's I'm kind of finish how him I off. feel. I also like, I like your idea that um, uh, Perry and Royal are the same age. Like there's a juxtaposition of Perry at nine and mm-hmm. Royal at nine. Royal at nine, he's murdering his dad on a hunting trip. Uh, Perry at nine is beating someone to Britney Spears toxic uh, at the roller ring. Um, those like the two different lives, uh, but similar in a way because of the violence. Mm-hmm. I really like, and I do like that they have Royal racking up points on Deer Hunter, <laughs> which game, seemed Deer odd Hunter. because like they make mention of Royal not liking electronics, right? Like he doesn't have a phone. He Seemingly because he's from the late 19th century, um, he didn't want a phone or, or he didn't have those electronics. So the fact that he'd be playing Deer Hunter, like a video game in, I mean, what, around late to or early 2000s? It seems odd. Well, I mean, he demonstrates during this episode that he loves shooting things. So uh, <laughs> I think he just wants his hand on a rifle any way he can while he's shooting those does. I've never played Deer Hunter, but it looks like a silly game. Um, I've got a question though. Is this is this Royal or is this Tom Selleck? Because oh, he's given off some pretty heavy Tom Selleck vibes with that mustache. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, <laughs> it, all he needed was like a Hawaiian shirt, um, <laughs> and I don't know. Did that guy drive like a Corvette? What did he drive? What did Magnum PI drive? Probably. Um, man, I hope I've got the right TV show. But no, I'm I'm with you. He looked great. That's all I know. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. rolling at any age uh, can take me to the roller rink to play deer hunter <laughs> patricia berates him a ret i like little ret ret's like shut up i was like okay <laughs> okay little kid maybe stay out of it um so yeah this is established that perry's been beating people for a long time and they had this conversation in the car and maybe you pinpointed it i did not but he's like what is this feeling i don't know what this feeling is um mm-hmm. And it's like they identify it. He's like anger. And he's like, no, it's not anger. And it's like, okay, what do these two have inside of them that the rest of us don't? That is, that is nameless. Do we like, 
I wasn't sure what they were getting at here, too. Okay. I thought it was going to align somehow with Royal's backstory when he kind of tells it at the end. But really, he just, it was an accident, shot his father, couldn't figure out how to deal with it and cope with it with his uh, sister and mother, and then just vanishes. Like, I think that's, I don't know. It's all, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of things. It's grief, anger, rage. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. You almost think, like... The way they telegraph this is like Royal ran away some terrible deed that he like did on purpose. And then you're kind of like mm-hmm. with this scene, my thought was, oh, both him and Perry have like rage issues or like can't <laughs> control their fists when they're angry. But that's not Royal's mm-hmm. story. And so I did not understand this um, this conversation at all, but it was beautifully shot. And mm-hmm. um, Royal does a great job not telling the story. Where he's like, I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> and then he's like, never mind. It's too difficult to talk to children. And then we move on. Maybe that's the reason. Like, the idea is just so he can say, he can start seemingly telling Perry this story at age nine and then finish the story when he's 39 or whatever. Like, right before Perry takes his leap. I don't know a lot of things, but I know telling nine-year-old Perry that story about shooting your dad is not the right time. <laughs> Um, so good job waiting until he's in his thirties, because that's a better time to tell your kid that you murdered his grandfather a hundred years prior. Uh, that's good to know. I've got a three year old, so I'm still learning some of this stuff. So I'll hold off. Yeah. Don't tell him about your, uh, hunting accidents, uh, during the civil war, uh, until he's much older. We do see this billboard that I wrote it down. I don't know if I'm going to read it because I wrote it down. But sometimes as I'm typing these things from the show, I'm just like, why? You know, I've got a day job and a family. Why am I doing this? But that's me and that's fine. So uh, we cut and uh, young Perry and the I guess young Perry and the truck, they like pass this billboard and then they pass the billboard in the cop car. Um, Mm -hmm. And the billboard says, America tells you that the only things worth knowing are those which can be known. America is wrong. Budweiser. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. The American be- beer of confusion. Like, I don't... Like, what, well, they that? do this transition. So it's, yeah, because it's young Perry looking out the window, seeing this billboard, and then it cuts back to old Perry in it. So the idea is this billboard's been here for decades. It's got no discernible advertisers, so you don't know... Who paid for it? Who put it up? If it's just a generic thing, yeah. America. Um, But I don't know. Like, I took a couple minutes to think about this and try to understand, like, what they're trying to do here. And obviously the episode is called The Unknown. So they're trying to draw some conclusions about, you know, the things that are worth knowing or the things which can be known. America's wrong. But, like, I feel... I don't know, like America is a very religious country that is, you know, came out of Christianity and that kind of stuff, the belief in a God that you can't necessarily know or, you know, prove kind of a thing. So I almost feel like this phrase is, you know, in opposition of that. Am I thinking about it wrong? No, I think you're, no, I I think the idea, I think the idea is like, hey, there's something out there that's like, uh, the way you put it is not discernible. Like search for the mm-hmm. things that you can't necessarily know. Um, so I, I think it is kind of a spiritual, like look beyond the material world. Mm-hmm. Budweiser, you know, drink <laughs> drink enough of us, find God, a miracle, rock flag eagle, Caw-caw! like I don't know. 
Uh, we need to, uh, by the way, Budweiser does not sponsor this podcast, but I feel like we should record a Budweiser ad and put it in our pod. That's fine. I <laughs> will never, and I, well, I'm sure I have, but I will not for the rest of this mortal life drink a Budweiser, but that's just me. No offense, I'm sure for you, those of you that love it, it's great. Uh, half of our audience is Budweiser fans and we just lost them. I'm sorry, Tom. It's Miller time here. Um, all right. We're then at jail. I've got so many beer jokes. Um, we're then at jail. It's confession time. It's Sheriff Joy and Perry. And she's like going through the details, still trying to make her whole theory work. Uh, mm-hmm. She's like, so you carried him up the, bo- uh, the mountain by yourself. Your family didn't know you got no help. He's like, yep, I'm very strong. And I don't leave tracks. And I know how to wipe a body down because I've been killing people since I was nine. They call me the roller rink murderer. Um, joy. Jo- oh, I like how this keeps getting brought up. And to be honest, Perry is such a sad sack in my mind that I never think to ask this. But I love everyone's like, hey, by the way, since you murdered this guy, did you happen to murder Rebecca? Like, the follow-up is <laughs> right? great. His own daughter later on. It's heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. but no, he says he still doesn't, doesn't know what happened to Rebecca, but he doesn't believe Rebecca is gone. He's been thinking about that billboard too. And he's like, I'm thinking about the <laughs> stuff that America thinks I should know and what I don't know. And what I don't know is that Rebecca is not gone. I don't know. That sentence didn't make any sense. And then I, loved it. I, I mean, I will be as confusing as Perry here. Uh, I will continue and just say, maybe nothing is ever gone. What? What? Sheriff Joy, follow up on that. Follow up on that. There's like a lot of... Yeah, that's a thread. It's a thread she kind of chases later on when she's telling Luke and Billy um, that kind of Perry gave herself. Like she's she's trying to make sense of this and I think she is at her wit's end and is at a point where she's open to believing in, you know, something you know, that more than science can explain kind of Oh, thing. you think that's where think she's she, at right now? You think she's gotten to that place where, like, this is not lining up with science and so something more is happening here? My thought was... I think I think so. Okay. My, and I, sorry to step on you. I, my thought was, like, hey, Perry, now's not the time to get weird. Like, now's not the time to be mm-hmm. like, are we ever really alive, you know? When I choke well, the I life don't... out of that person, <laughs> did they ever really live? You're like, wait, what? Yeah. I think what happens kind of later in this episode when you have that sequence of uh, joy with her family at kind of that Native American festival and they're all singing, sing, or singing, dancing, chanting, that stuff. She kind of like makes, and I'm probably jumping ahead here, but she kind of makes eye contact to kind of one of the uh, older gentlemen that's kind of doing uh, dance. And it seems like she's just kind of starting to think about like the spirituality of um like the culture and I, by no means I don't really know any native American culture, but like the idea of like singing and dancing for spirits and, and like being part of like the, the earth. I think that's kind of maybe where she's at right now. Okay. The unknown, the unknown outside Mm -hmm. the material. You think that's what she's, I assumed when she made eye contact with that guy, that Patricia was going to step in from out of frame and go, he killed Trevor because she can always identify just by looking at someone uh, who killed who. After we leave Perry and Sheriff Joy, there's a lot of silence. A lot of silence. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not. I mean, silence in terms of no dialogue, but 
This Yeah, it's doing this like ominous violin music as it's kind of telling us where all of our characters are. Like this is like we talked about before, this is the penultimate episode. This is seemingly setting up what's gonna happen in the finale. And um they're trying to use the beginning of this to say, okay, these are where all the characters are currently in our story, and I think it does a pretty good job of that. Yeah, it gives us a quick cut of the buffalo at the ranch, which that mm-hmm. sentence makes me want to go out for hot wings. Um, <laughs> and then we're breakfast in the Abbott house. This is kind of odd, too. Like, you got Amy coming down, sitting at the breakfast table with... Uh, Brett and Royal, I think they're both in the kitchen and they're nobody's talking. But like Amy, clearly going through a lot right now, right? Got cut on the head because her whole family was fighting. Her dad's been, you know, hauled off to to jail. Like nobody's consoling her. I think Royal puts like I don't know oatmeal or ice cream, whatever that is, on the <laughs> table, and like slides it over to her. Oh, great recall. Um, yeah, I just feel like everybody's kind of being a jerk to this sweet innocent girl, Tom. It's just life on a ranch. I mean, I guess so. just rub some dirt on it, you know? We're not going <laughs> to... We got fence pokes to fix and and hail to bay wire and and uh, grass to turn into hay. I mean, I know I talk like I've been there, but I've listened to like one or two country music songs, and that's what I gather life is like. So, um, mm, okay. My favorite one is Honky Tonk Badonka Donk, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's a separate um, pod. <laughs> that is a separate pod and a separate therapy uh, session, which <laughs> I will not put out to the public. Uh, Autumn is smoking at the hotel. Autumn does a lot. Of, I like that they're like, all right, tent burnt down. Let's put her on this railing uh, so she can like, <laughs> like the Pope from his balcony. She can lead her army. Um, and then we have Perry sleeping in the holding cell, and he's sleeping very soundly. One would say like an innocent baby who's only murdered uh, a few people and still plans to murder more. We go to the arraignment. We've got a uh, lawyer mustache back. He's at the judge's. Uh, he's in conference with the judge. I love that lawyer. He's great. Bond set at 500000 and this is big because they need to set the deed up as um, collateral for his bail, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and like right when this happened, my wife was immediately like, oh, okay, so Perry's going to be gone. Like, they're not going to find him. I think he, my wife even predicted him going in the hole at this point. Really? Really? Yeah. Just because, like, it's so ominous about, like, they know they're going to lose the ranch based on the fast-forward that we've seen. You don't necessarily know how it's going to happen, but it seems like the Buffalo, there's been other forces that are trying to push this away from that trial happening or the uh, Tillerson's getting it by, you know, their version of force. Uh, But why, when they say this, I was like, okay, this is going to be the catalyst for them losing their ranch. Um, I'm going to give my wife 13 internet points. Yeah, no, she can have those, but I also have a question about the honesty of your wife and whether or not she's watched past episode 7 <laughs> to episode 8. I'm not calling her a liar or a cheat, but do you think it's possible that if she... the boot fits. Do you, do you think she knew she was going to get credit on this podcast and she went out of her way to watch the next episode just so you would mention I wouldn't put her. it past her. Uh, I wouldn't put it past her. That's great. That's great. Well, good for her, because I, I honestly, I, I don't know. I thought they brought this in as like a tension thing for um, 
you know, the leverage of, oh, no, they might lose the ranch. But I didn't immediately mm-hmm. think, oh, he's not showing up for that court date or jumping <laughs> through the hole. So good on uh, good on your wife. That's that's good. Um, Perry gets released. I'm always interested when murderers get released and their family hugs them. Um, <laughs> what else are you going to do? Slap I don't across know. The face? I'd be like, I'd be like, <laughs> hey, like. Didn't you hug that guy to death? Like, don't hug me. I don't know. I guess I'd be a little bit nervous of Perry's murdering hands, but that's just me. We're back at the Abbott house. Amy's in her room drawing uh, the ranch brand in her journal over and over again like Autumn. Should we be worried? Uh, or is a- this telling us that Amy is Autumn? Autumn is Amy. A and A. This is the. This I is mean, the we've talked about that before. I mean, it feels like it's been telegraphed so much that they either need to tell us or like get off the, you know, get <laughs> off the throwing us in that direction. But I don't know. I, don't I just know. don't know the logistics of how that would work, right? Because like what we've established in the end of this episode, showing how Royal did a time jump way forward. Like Amy knows about her life from seemingly when she was born the family knows about her life like i don't get how well i don't know i guess the the idea i think would be that this is autumn coming back to this time specifically not necessarily knowing why but she's coming back into this time to be able to like set things right for young amy yeah right? like well, everything needs to happen for young amy to have i don't know but she doesn't seem to be doing anything for amy other than convincing i guess her father to jump through a hole but um i Here's my issue. Like, Dark did this so well. The TV show Dark <laughs> did it yeah. so well. And, like, I don't think... Uh, listen, I'm very pro-America, but I don't think <laughs> the American makers of this show should step on that German show because that German show did it right. <laughs> and that German show also was, like, unforgiving in terms of, hey, if you don't follow... Sorry, mm-hmm. like go rewatch yeah. an episode because we're not going to dumb it down for you. <laughs> oh, Tom, Dark is so good. Dark is so so good. <laughs> um, oh, Perry comes in. Uh, she wants to know if Perry's going to jail. He doesn't know. I thought this was like a really tender moment between like. Mm-hmm. For one thing, Perry's a really good actor, and Amy's a really good actor. Like they both do a great job in this. Um, I can't imagine as a like a, a, a father like having this conversation um Mm -hmm. but he like admits to you know she knows what happens he admits to being sober enough to know better like he shouldn't have done it he regrets it Mm -hmm. he should have walked away um and then just i mean i would have reacted probably in a worse way that that perry did if my (laughs) daughter was like hey did you kill mom um but amy asks him if anything if he knows what happened to rebecca um and it just seems like i mean everyone now assumes if you murder once, you probably murdered twice. Um, well, that has been your assumption since about episode oh, one I, of the show. Yeah, I don't stop it <laughs> twice. I mean, Baker's dozen, man. Baker's dozen. Um, then we're out in the barn. Perry's moving hay bales. They're like, hey, what manual labor can we have these characters do? Uh, mm-hmm. Royal checks in on him. Royal's like, listen, everyone's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Everyone's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Barry's like, hey, the nice thing is you and Red are off the hook. And he's kind of right. And then Royal mm-hmm. rambles for a little bit. And then Perry interrupts him. And he's like, 
hey, do you know what happened to Rebecca? Which, did you see this coming? This was very much a surprise question from Perry to Royal, in my mind. Did you see this? I feel like the conversations he's had with Autumn, like Autumn's been dropping these like nuggets of cryptic wisdom on him, which just makes him question everything about Rebecca. And I think, to your point, this is the second time somebody in the show has asked him if he knows about Rebecca. And based on all the other mystery and stuff that's kind of going on, I think at this point he just, you know, and he kind of says it here in a second where he asks Royal, like, hey, what happened to Rebecca? Royal's response is, like, he truly doesn't know. And then Perry, in the nicest way possible, says, uh, I don't believe you. Yeah. Um, which he puts I his think hands, is... It's okay. He puts his hands above his, his shoulders. I don't believe you. And, like, so nice about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the the idea is he just doesn't he doesn't trust his father with this. He he thinks that he knows more. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Like, do you think Royal's telling the truth here? Like Perry clearly doesn't believe in Royal. We don't. Perry doesn't know about the the void or the hole or anything quite yet. But I don't know whether to th- believe in Royal at this point. Like I like you talked about um, Autumn being kind of an unreliable narrator in the last episode. I feel like we get a little bit of this with Royal too, right? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if Royal did something to Rebecca, either I've completely missed it. It hasn't really crossed my mind. I mean, the only point of conflict I can hear is like if she was planning on leaving and she was planning on taking Amy and she was planning on breaking up the family... Uh, mm-hmm. maybe Royal pushes her into the hole, but um, by all accounts, he discovers the hole with us as a, as a, yes, in a scene mm-hmm. in the beginning of the show. So I don't know that it makes sense for him to have thrown her in the hole and then act surprised when he knows we're watching him in a TV show. I just don't think that works. Yeah. And maybe we'll dive into like theory stuff at the end, but I think what this episode does is it answers a lot of, I mean, obviously it asks a lot of questions too, but it answers a lot of questions in terms of like how the hole appeared initially, like the fact that the hole will disappear. So seemingly like it appears for somebody in a time of need, like it appeared for Royal when he was running away. Mm. Um, It maybe this hole appeared for uh, Perry this entire time and it was just waiting for him to go into it. It was like his hole Um, because once he goes in, then it just goes away. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of interesting ideas at play here. That um, that's why I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed this episode more so than the other. I think I did a really good job of yeah. setting up what's going to happen in the finale, but there's still a lot to be answered in the finale. So sure. we'll see. Sure, we're back at the Tillerson house as we always should be. Luke mm-hmm. is mad at Sheriff Joy because she's trying to explain that you know Perry fessed up, and at this point we're just investigating Perry. Mm-hmm. Looks like I don't believe Perry did it alone. There was a shooter on the grassy knoll, and <laughs> he's like, "What about the part where he was alive for several days? They had to have kept him alive for several days, which is a really like that's pretty grotesque in terms of like. So you think the Abbots just like had him in a cage on their ranch, like that's what I thought. Like that'd throw be him on a body or throw him on the yeah. on the mountain in the west pasture because that would have been the only logical explanation that you know. Joy could discern if that was really the case, if he should have done that much later. So you're talking science again, Tom, and that's what America wants you to know. <laughs> they want you to think about the known, not the unknown, what's beyond America's the America's wrong. America's wrong. 
Is that what that billboard ended with? America's wrong? Because if that's, mm-hmm. I don't think, I, oh, those Definitely not Budweiser american there. It's Heineken. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, oh, incredible. Oh, incredible. Oh, I'm so glad I heard you say that. The Germans, they make better time travel shows and they make better beer. (laughs) Better beer. Oh, man. I am not. I will go on. I am not in Heineken's corner. I just, Tom might be, but I am not. Um, Anyways, Billy breaks into this conversation as only Billy can. And I only regret (laughs) that Billy doesn't sing this line, but he's like, I think Trevor went to an uncreated part of the world. What? We've got like a new. <laughs> this is like a new, like very zen version of Billy. He's like sitting there drinking his coffee or whatever he was drinking on the couch, like very cool, calm, and collected. It seems like he. Well, I think actually, I never thought about this, but we know he'd been introduced to the hole from the previous episode from Autumn. But I think at this point he had already snuffed. Or not snuffed, but he ate the time travel rock stuff. So he has like this world view. (laughs) That's what I thought he was going to do with it. Right. He thought he was going to do a line of uh, magic rock. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Um, I guess trigger warning for any of you that are uh, hooked on cocaine. Tom, you're very brave to talk about this. Go ahead. Yep. Just getting off the lightning. Um, But I, I think this is Billy like seemingly for the first time seems very sure of himself and sure of like the path forward here. Um, and kind of, you know, is positioning himself with not only Sheriff Joy, but with his brother here later about showing him the whole. Well, I also feel like Billy doesn't have a self-conscious bone in his body. <laughs> so for him <laughs> to sit in a room with a sheriff and his brother talking about his murdered brother, for him to be like, I think Trevor went to some uncreated part of the world. Uh, and also singing it's that brother's funeral. I just don't think Billy has a real like uh, self-aware bone. That's kind of where That's I'm fair. at with Billy. That's fair. Uh, and he was probably drinking magic rock in that cup. <laughs> <laughs> Joy tries to convince Luke that she's still doing the investigating. Um, and Billy starts talking about his dad telling him, he's like, hey, when he was younger, he saw something impossible, something terrifying. It was a hole in the world. And to your point, like Sheriff Joy locks in on this. Like mm-hmm. to me, if I'm in this room, I politely ignore the rambling gentleman on the couch <laughs> who sang at the funeral. But Sheriff Joy, like on this one, she doesn't follow up with Perry, the murderer. But on this one, she's like, she's like, Billy, what do you what do you mean? And uh, Luke's just not having any of it, which is great. But then Billy's like, mm-hmm. I need to speak with my brother now alone. And Sheriff Joe's like, okay, have fun singing together. <laughs> uh, and then they drive out. Listen, has anyone looked cooler on a quad wearing sunglasses and a hat than Billy <laughs> and Luke? Name me, Tom, I'll give you time. Name me three other people that have looked cooler than those two as they ride around on a quad. I don't, the hat. I don't know famous quad people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know famous quad people. You could just say the bad guys we've already talked about. The bad guys in that one Jurassic Park where they're all driving around on uh, vehicles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Let's go with those ones. All right. Good good answer, Tom. I'm glad I could have this conversation <laughs> with myself. 
As they're driving, Billy quotes Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, which is not the last or first time we have heard this song or had this song referenced during the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly... It's a bummer he's quoting it, right? He needs he to be, should singing, be this. singing it. What's interesting is on my Spotify playlist, I don't know who the artist is, but there's I think she's a country music singer. She covers this song. And so it's on like a playlist that I listen to often. Uh, so mm-hmm. to me, unfortunately, it's not necessarily a Fleetwood Mac song. I'm more uh, probably used to the more modern version, but it is a great song. And um, that leads Did you to pick the... up anything from the lyrics? Yeah, Tom. Was there anything that... I was just going to segue to that. <laughs> Do you have any dreams that you'd like to sell me? That is, uh, that is my question to you. Uh, you couldn't afford my dreams. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. All right. Well, negotiating, that's fine. Let's start with a number. Let's just... Anyways. Um, they drive out to the hole. No one reacts to seeing this hole in a normal way. I just want to say this. Like, there's something... And maybe it's, like, a lack of graphics for the show. But, like, Tom, I drive you out, and there's, like, a hole with, like, some weird smoke on it. You'd be like, oh, like, is there a gas leak? Is there... Like, you... You can ask questions, right? Like, Luke turns to camera, and it looks like he's been, like, weeping, right? It looks like he's... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does anyone... Perry's the only one that reacts to this hole in the right way, because he throws himself into it immediately. <laughs> but seriously, like... I don't know. We've talked about this, but, like, you pull up to this hole, like, don't you have questions? Like, or do you just have... Like, everyone seems to have, like, an emotional reaction to it. Well, maybe there's like, I mean, I don't know, like with Autumn, she seems to be like pulled towards the the void, like some unspeakable something is is bringing her or drawing her to it. So maybe just being in the presence of that, it makes you feel something. I feel from Luke's perspective, too, like when he first walks up to the hole or the void, he just kind of like he's rubbing his chin, kind of scratches his head a little bit. And I'm like, man, you need a little bit more to that. So when, to your point, when he turns and actually looks at camera, he's like his eyes are red. And I'm sure he asked Billy a thousand questions after this, or at least hope he would because of the psychosis of his dad, or at least what they thought was psychosis of him saying that there was a hole. Um, he definitely, it, it, it hit him. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't know exactly. I don't know what the right way is uh, to uh, react to a giant hole, but um, yeah, he tried his best. Okay. That's all we I, can do. I mean, I could go through the right way to react to it, but I think we've already litigated this. I do also think a part of me was like, wait, does uh, does Luke have bad allergies to the hole? Because his eyes look all red and puffy. I was like, oh, no, man, take some allergy medicine. You'll feel better in the morning. Uh, but don't do it while riding those quads because uh, it specifically mm. says winking, drinking. Um, what's that thing on the prescription bottle? Suggestion. She, she took that to mean as a drinking, winking suggestion. Oh, Lucille, Lucille Bluth, you left us too soon. Oh, uh, all so right. True. We're back at town. Autumn's on the phone. I think she says something like, don't call me that, Mom. And then she hangs mm-hmm. up. She screams at someone who has the right of way. Um, she's like, I'm walking here. And then she screams at him. Um, it was very Back to the Future. She, she is... Very upset. And then she goes into the bar. Everything always happens at the bar. Rhett, mm-hmm. Perry, and Royal all sit in the same bar stool, I believe. Maybe we haven't seen Royal there, but Perry and Rhett all sit in the same bar stool. Um, 
what's the they have never brought it around to the gentleman that says something to her when what was his name so cupcake? cupcake cupcake or something we've never we've never been introduced to cupcake we just know that's his name um she asks about perry and royal uh Rhett's like oh perry was arrested for the murder of trevor and she's like it wasn't him uh perry's gonna be okay and then did you get the red light effect that happened during this scene? Like, they turn her red. Mm. Oh, it was like... Oh, I didn't notice it. So, she, so like, obviously, uh, Imogen Poots is like... I mean, she does a great job in this role. But, like, they look at her, and then there's something about the lighting. They, like, turn the red up on it. And she goes, mm. like, as she's, like, backing away and, like, turning away and, like, giving her... Um, giving her polite goodbye to Red. <laughs> they, like, yeah. turn her red. Um, Is it like, because they did a little filter when she was showing Billy the void, where it kind of, like, was reddish, pink, orange, something yes, like that. Was it the same hue? the color. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Although I okay. felt like they took a red neon light and just turned it up on her. Um, hmm, okay. I must have missed it. But yeah, I do like Rhett, like as she's leaving, gives her a polite, you know, forget you as she leaves. <laughs> like he's just completely done with her and she doesn't acknowledge it. She just goes, leaves, and he's just sitting there with his ice cold Budweiser. Ice cold Budweiser. His thoughts. What he knows. What America knows. That Budweiser. And then... Hey, oh, I had a question. Yeah, while, we're, while we're talking about Rhett here, are we going to get the rodeo finals with our boy Rhett? Are they going to have time in this finale? To give us the rodeo finals. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to say this, and you're going to think I've already watched episode eight because I'm going to lay it out for you. But what's going to happen is, in order for the hole to reopen up, for Perry to come back, for Rebecca to come back, for Trevor to come back alive, hmm. Rhett is going to have to ride a perfect ride. <laughs> he is going to have to score the 365 that all bull riders have to get in order to score a perfect, I think they call it a turkey. It's when you do three bull rides in a row and you get 365 every time. And that's like, they're going to play some sweet, like weird tuning violin music while he rides. Everyone's going to be in the stands. I don't know if you know this, but we're essentially watching a sports movie. Um, mm. and Disguised as a sci-fi western Yeah, we're just waiting for <laughs> Kurt Russell to come out and give us the Miracle speech um, I don't even remember if there was a speech in Miracle But it is what it is uh, So yes You should my... write TV shows You should write TV shows <laughs> No, I should not I shouldn't write anything I, By the way If one thing's proven to me you're going I shouldn't on this... write anything <laughs> Go You're going on this rambling diatribe, which is fantastic and hilarious. I always think about that in shows. If a show tries to be like crazy serious for like the first couple episodes and then just goes completely bananas off the wall for right. no reason whatsoever, um, I think that would be fantastic. Right. So I would be on board if that happens. The issue with nowadays is like you could never, like the surprise would be ruined by the first person that watched it, it's where so they're true. like, hey, did true. you watch episode eight? I can't believe you got a turkey at the bull riding. Uh, <laughs> no one's ever done a 180 or whatever 365 is times three i don't know um we're at the diner with sheriff joy and her family 
We mm-hmm. come back. Fr- I, I I was telling you this at the top, Tom, before we started recording. Frank from the Chambers of Commerce is the only character I want to follow. I want to go to his house. <laughs> I want to find out what's happening there. Like, give me that TV show. Um, and give me the show where the guy doesn't know that he's interrupting a nice family meal. And he's, yeah. like, talking about mastodons and evil teenagers. Like, what? <laughs> um, and so, finally, Sheriff Drew, because he, he's, he's nice enough to be like, hey, your mom's going to win the election. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. And uh, She's going to beat the beans out of that guy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and Sheriff Joy's like, oh, well, he said something nice. Hey, Frank, I'm going to come by your place and check out those mastodons and evil teenagers. And I've got a lot of questions, so I'm really... This is the only reason I'm going to watch episode eight is to find out what Sheriff Joy finds out uh, at the Frank Chambers of Commerce Ranch. Uh, I'm assuming Mm -hmm. it's just going to be a bunch of crows eating elephants. I don't know. (laughs) The Abbott Ranch. We're back at the Abbott Ranch. Cece drives over to dead baby bear cabin. (laughs) Say that again. The DBBC. CC at the DBBC. Uh, the C is gone. And by C, I mean the cub. The cub's gone. And I had this thought, Tom. I had this thought. And obviously, you know I don't do drugs. But if I did, this is the thought I would have had. Maybe, you know when she makes the bear bite her hand? Like she forces yeah. her hand. Uh, I thought for a second, you know what? <laughs> Maybe she knows that her blood has life-giving properties. And, like, you know in, like, a vampire movie where, like, the hero vampire, um, yep. what's, what's the guy from, uh, from Tenet? From Tenet, uh, from the vampire movies. Um, uh, what Tom Cruise. Name? Robertson. Um, um, oh, Robert Pattinson? Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Robertson. Yeah, you Twilight. met him together. Twilight. Uh, I'm sure at some point in those shows he's dying, and they have to, like, drip blood into his mouth. Sorry. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is dying, and they have to drip blood into his mouth. I thought maybe Cece at the DBBC knows that that uh, DB needs B, and so she forces the B to... to, Typo, thank you. Um, To take a drink of her AB positive, and that has resurrecting property. And I had this thought for a hot second, and then I thought, I don't do drugs. That's a really dumb idea. Um, I mean, like, okay, let me stop you. Let me stop you. I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> that idea because I still for the life of me can't make sense of this whole biting the blood and what she's going for here. Like, oh, does have, she feel like she a... needs to? Okay. You're right. No, you're okay. on the right track. Say... Finish your thought. Okay. You're going there. She, she feels like she needs to like almost punish herself to yes. a point for this and fighting this bear because she feels partially responsible for the cub, you know, dying on her land. Yep. It's a, I think it's a. I think it is the amount of guilt she feels. It is like a self mutilation exercise where she used mm-hmm. the DB to be her H. And um, <laughs> we the, should do the rest of this pod in, in acronyms or just letters. It would be so much quicker. It out. <laughs> so much quicker. I would argue uh, you explaining all this is making it longer. <laughs> That's so 
good. That's so good. ASAP. Oh, man. All right. Um, oh, and I wrote nope in the outline because as soon as I had this thought, they flashed to the baby grizzly. Uh, I'm sorry, the mama grizzly standing over uh, the baby bear. And I was like, oh, yeah, the baby bear didn't make it. Uh, and then we get into probably the best scene of the whole show, the most realistic scene of the whole show, certainly. <laughs> Uh, Cece runs to her car and I was like okay cool she's gonna get in the car so the bear can't get her nope that's not what happens (laughs) Tom what happens I like how she she sees the bear and then starts doing like a brisk walk just casual I'm just gonna hum 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 I'm gonna head to my car and then immediately jumps into a big sprint to uh, jump into her car but I'm with you I thought she was gonna lock herself in this car for safety take off whatever but nope like a true American she reaches for a shotgun and starts shooting she starts shooting and that bear goes down very quickly, very quickly. Um, I have questions about what's in that shotgun. And Tom, as a shotgun shooter yourself, did you catch anything? Did you catch anything during this scene uh, that you felt like was out of place? Your keen eye for uh, for clay shooting or uh, sporting. Listen, I've got clay shooting. I am not great. Uh, but I feel like I'd have a better chance at this because this is an 800-pound bear that's two <laughs> feet from me instead of a uh, three-inch disc that's flying, you know, eight hard, 800 yards seemingly away from me. Listen, I hope she had slugs in that thing. Otherwise, she's shooting it with, uh, I guess, a uh, shotgun shell, and that bear is probably going to murder her. Um, but They were hollow point slugs. But, Tom, what I was getting at is when she racks it, no shell flies out. But that's neither here nor there. That's probably the Ooh. smallest nitpick of uh, <laughs> the show someone can find. Um, the bear goes down, and then we see, once again, they bring back Cartoon Bear. Uh, Cartoon Bear gets back up and slowly walks away. Uh, and then Cece gets up and shoots Cartoon Bear in the face. Now, you, okay, hold on. Where, go ahead. Before we get on... Where does Cartoon Bear get shot? Very specifically, the first shot. Uh, in the chest. Yeah, kind of upper left part of the chest, correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Just I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pin that. I'm going to come back to that pin later. You're going to put several uh BBs um in that. Yep. In that spot. That's in good. In that upper left chest wound. Tom, we're going to go back <laughs> upper left chest wound. That's good. <laughs> now we're going to go back to bear defense, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the guy that uh, <laughs> yes. went through bear defense last episode, walk us through from when she leaves the shack and she realizes there's a grizzly. She recognizes mm-hmm. it's a brown bear, so it's a grizzly, yep. and they're in the right area for it to be a grizzly. What was she supposed to do in this situation? Well, uh, grizzlies, brown bears, we decided that you were supposed to do what Autumn did and just play dead, get into a ball, lay on your stomach. Uh, however, that is if you do not have a shotgun in your truck that's 10 yards away. Okay. So running to your, your truck to get self-defense, I think, is probably a, a fair defensive maneuver. Okay. Uh, that's I probably, I the know. correct answer is get in the Suburban <laughs> and drive over the bear multiple times like you're in Grand Theft Auto. That's the right answer. Okay. We're probably going to have to cut that out because of all the bear lovers. That was a joke for the record. We're leaving it in now. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> I thought she was just gonna turn around and go back into the uh, BBC or the the DBBC, excuse me. Yeah, maybe um, a better choice. I feel like, yeah, that would have provided you know. I mean, I don't know longevity, how much you could have lasted in there. If you got a mama grizzly that really wants to take you out, maybe she knew the integrity of the DBBC wasn't uh, up to code. Right. So she realized she had to go for the shotgun. I yeah, don't it was know. C minus DDBC. I would. 
have gotten in the car and turned on the radio and listened to uh, Running Up the Hill by Kate something. I can't believe I didn't come up with the last name for that bit. Anyways, <laughs> the bear's dead and long live the bear. I Only Have Eyes for You plays by the Flamingos. Mm. Oh, we've cut to the... Sorry. Bear's dead. We're back at the hotel. Good <laughs> uh, transition. Yeah. Sorry I'll try about that, that again? transition. No, not really. Um, <laughs> then we're at the hotel. We've got Autumn standing at the Pope's balcony. I Only Have Eyes for You plays <laughs> by the Flamingos as she stares down at one William Tillerson a.k.a. Mm. Billy the Singer. He's pining for Autumn from the parking lot of the hotel, standing <laughs> next to his truck and his cowboy hat. Whew, he looks good. He looks good. <laughs> the way this music is playing, too, because this is like the old, I don't know when the song was made, the 60s or something, and it's got like the shibop shibop kind of noises going. And like right when it plays that, like you know it's getting like these lovey-dovey vibes between right. them. And it keeps playing throughout this like these silences in their little conversation they're going to have there. And it made me laugh every time. Yeah. They were like, no one's going to believe these two are falling in love unless we hit them in the face with this weird 60s music 40s music whatever (laughs) so here it is i only have eyes for you by the flamingos we find out during the course of this conversation that billy crushed up the magic stone that he took from his father ate the dust because that's what someone does and then he saw the future (laughs) where autumn was the leader of all mother mother earth and he was by her side and i quote it was super (laughs) cool (laughs) <laughs> and I quote, it was super cool. Incredible. <laughs> and he does all of this wearing his uh, Winona Judd shirt, which was also fantastic. We already tried to figure out what other shirt he was wearing um, with the other country singer on it. And it was very much in the same vein, but this was a different shirt. Oh, it was a different shirt. I was going to say, did you yes. solve the Did you solve the case? Was it a Winona Judd? Uh, unless it's... Another Winona Judd shirt. I think it's different, though. It could have been the other Judd sister. There's there's Winona and the other Judd. The other Judd? Are there, are there multiple Judd Juds? sisters? There three yeah, Juds? Yeah, the Judd, yeah, the Judd family is country music royalty, Tom. And this is hmm. the Judd Music Corner, where I'm going to tell you <laughs> all about... I'm going to start at the W's and work my way to the Z's of all the Judds. Um, I don't have any more anything more to say about that. <laughs> I don't know country music very well. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't know uh, who sang the Shabop Shabop song that plays during this scene. <laughs> Classic country music. Um, she asked Billy to stop Royal, and Billy is super committed. Uh, because as any young man who only has eyes for a young woman, uh, he is committed <laughs> to doing whatever she says. And they start to kiss, and... Listen, is it kissing? I thought that maybe she was trying to find some magic dust on his tongue. She's like, I don't know when he <laughs> ate this rock, but I'm going to scour his tongue for said rock. It made me uncomfortable, mainly because they're unmarried and gross kissing should only happen between uh, people that are married. Um, but man, the show really loved this scene, didn't it? Like... It did all these like weird zoom cuts from like different angles. I really wanted to get that tongue action going. It was upsetting. 
All I know is that when this show won, wins its, um, I don't know, what are TV show awards? Golden MTV Globe? Movie Awards Best when Kiss? This, when this wins its MTV Movie <laughs> <laughs> Award Best Kiss, they are going to play this scene. <laughs> oh, Tom, your joke was better than where I was going. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, that's good. Take it away from Toby Maguire. Oh, take it away from Toby Maguire. Oh, shout out to that guy. He did great in that Spider-Man movie. It was good to see Toby Maguire <laughs> when he's not riding around on Sea Biscuit. Anyways. <laughs> and then we get the age-old love-making scene. And by love-making scene, I mean when one person... Cuts a symbol into another person very slowly and delicately with a dull, rusty knife. Man, these kids are in love, right? <laughs> these crazy kids. I got a question. Oh, go again, ahead. Yeah, very... I've got answers for you. <laughs> yeah. Very impressive, again, with uh, Autumn's incredible ability to draw circles on people. She's been drawing it since she's been Amy, you know? She's been drawing it for years. I guess that's true. What what is your thought here with Billy? We've already kind of talked that Billy is very susceptible. He's very, um, I don't know, like when when he when he goes forward, we don't know exactly what he sees, right? He he opines on what he sees. He says it's whatever. But like, do you think that you would react similarly? Like if you saw, like truly saw the future and believe you saw it, and you saw this void, and you are trying to make sense of it all. Do you think you would kind of go like full bore, like cult level status with Autumn here and be like, I will do anything for you? No, no, uh, Tom, I think, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, very quickly. No, I think there are, <laughs> there are people, uh, that their personality, uh, allows them to join cults and they like thrive in that environment and they're looking for a leader and they're looking to join. And then there's people like me that, oh man. They just wish they could buy in and drink the Kool-Aid, but their skeptical <laughs> mind will not allow them and makes believing very difficult. So they have to fight yeah. through. Uh, they have to fight through the reasonableness in their mind. We'll just say that uh, in order to believe in the, we'll say, miraculous. Um, I mean, it's it's fun being a member of a cult, but there's more money in being a leader. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Creed Bratton. Uh, nice of you to show up. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I could ask you the same question, but I know you, and you would not. You you are a critical thinker, so even if you saw it, <laughs> you would have questions. It would need to make sense to you. You'd need to see the science. I don't want to answer this question for you, but tell me I'm wrong. No, you're, you're, you're wrong, because okay. I would join Autumn in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, I got a pamphlet for you once we're done with this. <laughs> Yeah, so very quickly, I do appreciate that this episode, they kind of click through these beats. It's like, rather than Mm -hmm. the slow burn of when is Billy going to stop Royal, it's like, nope, he's already removed a hose from the radiator and Royal's going to break down (laughs) on the road. And he breaks down under the same billboard about knowing things Budweiser. (laughs) Billy picks him up. He's like, Billy, I don't want to ride in a car with you because you're weird yeah. and you sing at funerals. Uh, those weren't his words. Those were my words. But it's tough to argue. I have found this in my life that, like, there's been decisions like, you know, when they pass you that drug and they're like, hey, man, it's not going to hurt you. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not going to do that drug. 
or when they're like, you know, don't, I don't know, murder that person in cold blood. But then the gang member says to you, the gang leader, obviously, when you're trying to get into the gang, it's the gang leader. He says to you, don't be a silly goose. And then you're just forced to do it. That's exactly what happened to Royal in this situation. Royal's like, Billy, I don't yeah, want to get can't. in the car with you. You, you mm-hmm. can't argue with don't be a silly goose, right? Don't be there's just no comeback from it. Yeah, yeah. Don't be silly goose. Boom, I'm in. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. where that's what Autumn should have led. She should have led with uh, instead of trying to give Billy some sort of dust to eat, just say, "Hey, Billy, stop being a silly goose. Enjoy my cult. Enjoy my cult." Ah, oh, man. Leeway anyway, t-shirts. Good, what's good for the silly goose is good for the gander. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Royal succumbed to not wanting to be a silly goose because that's just embarrassing. <laughs> Gets in the car with weirdo Billy. Uh, Billy, of course, makes normal conversation, and he says things like, Hey, do you believe in God? Uh, and Royal's response is, I don't know what God is. Now, okay, I, I feel like what... That's great. Like, this is tying into the billboard, right? Because Billy's response then is, You don't have to know what something is to believe in it. Yeah, they're hitting, Royal's the, response hitting us is, in like, the face with I the do. billboard. Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like that idea. So, okay. Just want to make sure I didn't fully miss that. that no, 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 you're right. And it's kind of like, hey, Royal, I mean, can you believe in things that are unseen? Um, and mm-hmm. Royal, despite being thrown through a hole and coming back 100 years later, <laughs> has real trouble with the supernatural. Um, and he's like, Billy's like, do you think it's the end, the beginning? And then Royal looks confused. and He's like, the hole. And that's when Royal finds out that Autumn told Billy about the hole. Mm-hmm. And that's when Billy then pulls out a very beautiful looking um, pistol. What is this pistol, Julian? Um, I thought it was, I mean, it looks like a 1911, but it's probably not. It's probably some sort of Kimber. Um, but we don't need to go into those things. Uh, because very quickly, that Kimber, that 1911, takes us back to the roller roller <laughs> rink, which... Looks to be mm-hmm. in great shape. Business is booming at the in, roller, <laughs> in roller rink town. Um, I love the scattered roller skates just all over the roller rink. Like whoever sold it didn't even want to like try to resell those. They're just sitting everywhere. Right. It's just no, like build, it, it's it's just building the scene, obviously. But I thought it was comical the way they dressed it. Yeah, you'd think teenagers would have gone in there and been like, "Hey, these fit me. I'm gonna take <laughs> yeah, these. Like some dope. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll around on these roller skates." <laughs> Um, don't be a silly goose. Steal those roller skates. <laughs> Billy holds Royal at gunpoint, and he makes him apologize for trying to kill Autumn. That's what he gets to. And Royal assumes he's there about his brother, right? He assumes it's like yeah. he's there as revenge mm-hmm. for what happened to uh, the Big T. But we very quickly, because Royal's not on the same page as us, the audience, Billy is holding him accountable for what he tried to do to Autumn. Which, what did he try to do to Autumn, Tom? Like, I don't know. Like, do you think he he kind of like, I don't know. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I don't think he really left her for dead. Like, he, he she was somewhere on his land. I think he knows his land well enough to know, yeah, there's bears, there's animals and stuff that she is not in great shape. But to say le- left her for dead, I think is a, a step too far. Like, he threatened to kill her if he continued to mess with her, his family and that kind of piece. But... 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he really did leave her for dead. He admits he, to it here, but you know, he's at gunpoint. Yeah, you could argue like him flinging her off the quad was attempted murder, but really was it? I mean, we we see this guy murder later. I mean, he knows how to murder. He's not gonna <laughs> leave the job unfinished. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. But uh, we see what Billy's getting at, and ultimately Billy's like, "You don't know what she is. She's gonna change the world." Um, and then he starts to, I think, count down at this point, and Royal's like, mm-hmm. well, this guy knows how to count, so I'm going to apologize. <laughs> I don't think it was a real apology, Tom. It felt forced. As like, and I don't want to go into our personal lives. You're married, I'm married. Like, when you uh, force your spouse at gunpoint to apologize for something, <laughs> do you feel like that's a forced apology, or do you feel like that's a real apology? Uh, it's real. Okay. It's got to be real. Okay, you didn't feel it. Yeah. Okay, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, and also, we don't condone domestic violence, so <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Oh, it was a joke. Please don't write Humor. us letters. Oh, no. Um, but the way Royal handles this, like, he screams everything, everything, multiple times. Like, I'm sorry for everything. And I do feel like some of this was a bit cathartic for Royal. Like, he... He's maybe not specifically sorry for what Billy's trying to get him to apologize for, but I think he's using this moment to, like, say, I'm sorry for everything that I put my family through. Because at this point, he's realizing he did not approach this entire process correctly with telling his family about the void, (laughs) hiding a body, throwing a body in the void. (laughs) Yeah, so I think this is a bit of him just saying, like, like, yeah, I am sorry for everything that I've done, but not to you, Billy, to my family. Did it remind you a little bit of his prayer where he's screaming, there's a great <laughs> yeah. void? Like, where are you, God? Please help us. Uh, yeah, I, I got the same thought. But Billy tells him to leave Autumn alone, and he doesn't kill him. I did like the scene. Like, it's well acted. The oh, guy that plays Billy mm-hmm. was great. I mean, Brolin's great in it. Uh, it's menacing. It's like... I'm assuming as soon as they walked out of this roller rink, the people from Stranger Things walked in and were like, hey, we're going to film here too. <laughs> um, just the way it was lit mm-hmm. made me think of the same thing. Um, but n- no one leaves a room like Billy. And so Billy leaves this scene by saying, <laughs> and I quote, I think something bad is going to happen to your granddaughter. And see. Does he, is he saying that as like a threat? Like, hey, if you keep messing with Autumn, I will hurt your granddaughter? Or is it because he saw the future and he saw something happen to his granddaughter? I think, and I don't know how this works, I think the latter, which is I think he saw something in the vision that made him think about um, okay. Amy. I don't think he himself, I, That's a way, that's a strange way to, to put it, I think something bad is going to happen to your daughter as opposed to, hey, if you don't leave Autumn alone, I'm going to mm-hmm. do something to your granddaughter. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think when he was all hopped up on that sweet, sweet magic meteor <laughs> rock, uh, he saw something bad happen, which I don't appreciate the show doing because they then cut to the ice cream shop with Perry and Amy. <laughs> and I'm like... Dear God, don't do something to Amy. She's the only redeemable character in the show. (laughs) Not redeemable. There's plenty of good characters in the show. But uh, it's Perry and Amy getting some ice cream. Where are they at, Tom? Uh, They're apparently at Dippy's, but this is very clearly a Dairy Queen or a Dairy Queen that is no longer in business. It got bought out by a Dippy's, but it had like the exact (sighs) signia and logo of the DQ. Man, is there... (sighs) 
I don't know if there's anything. Let me just let me just riff for a second, Tom. There is nothing Please. worse than going through like one of those one of those towns where like everything used to be a mom and pop shop, and then there's a dippy on every corner. There's a dippy <laughs> selling their large lattes, you know, and the people are all lined up to buy it. Golly, corporate dippy is just ruining <laughs> what is right and true about America. Bring back Dairy Queen. Agreed. I mean, yeah. Mr. Queen was a good man, you know, and now he's being <laughs> bought up by all the dippies. Drives me crazy. Um, dippy makes me just think that all they sell is cones dipped in, you know, when they do the dip cones. Oh, yeah, I love them. Oh, I love man. them. I them Did you the know you can kid. get that magic shell stuff for your house? You can shoot it on ice cream and it forms into a shell. Oh. Did you know that exists? I think I did do that when I was a, a youth. Yeah, I got like the Reese's version of it, which was like, I don't know, that Reese's candy shell. So good. Oh, cool, cool. You did it as a youth. Yeah, I didn't recently discover it as an adult. Uh, <laughs> I, I, w- I wasn't deprived. Um, anyways, <laughs> this was probably my... Am I- <laughs> I just read your note in the outline. I'll get there. Oh, man. Good for you, Tom. Um, this was probably the best moment of the episode for me in terms of just, like, like acting, flexing. It's Autumn in the restroom of the ice cream shop. Coincidentally, Dippies. She's in the restroom of Dippies. And she's getting ready, seemingly, for a rap battle. And, Tom, I'll step away. Uh, watching the sequence, she's kind of doing this bobbing back and forth, staring at herself, like looking into her own soul. My assumption was she's going to spit on this mirror. <laughs> she's hyping herself up, man. This is what you do. You're you're hyping yourself up. You realize that you're a bad oh person. Goodness. You spit in the mirror and you tell yourself, hey, be a better person. Be a better person. You're in a red blazer that looks like you're a like usher at a Price is Right uh taping um for those of you that haven't been with with us spitting on a mirror is a ted lasso season two thing that uh, i don't think tom and i will ever get over anyways uh imogen poots give her give her whatever award um she does a great job here like she's staring i i don't know how it is for an actor but she's essentially staring down the barrel of the of the camera which is her looking into Mm -hmm. a mirror and she gives the speech and uh, I wrote it down once again. I don't regret writing this one down, though. This one felt like was it was say, necessary. Are you going to give us give I, us the image? I don't poot think I can do like an image force. No, I can't. So I'm just going to say what she says because I don't have her same uh, energy. Can you do it in your Kermit voice? <laughs> Kermit, Tom, I hate you. I love Doing you. Your Josh I love you. Voice. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. That's seven times. I insulted you. I came back with seven times. So there, it's equal. All right. Here's what she I says. I forgive you none. Thank you. She says, somewhere on this land, there is an altar, and I will build it. Somewhere in the future, there is a portal to the past, and I will own it. Somewhere in your heart, there is a hole, and I will fill it. I am the mother of undying time, and I will usher her into the world with power and love and justice as the gatekeeper to the unknown, and I will be your shepherd in the night. F word, F word, F word. (laughs) F word, F word, F word. She oh she does a great job and I was like what I started googling this thinking this was like either from scripture or quote or something <laughs> no nope. it's just the show pulling out all of their Juilliard playwright isms <laughs> and they're like we're gonna let her give a speech in a Dippy's bathroom where no one can hear her <laughs> but the audience. <laughs> 
Oh. It was great. I, it was a good speech. It was very powerful. And, like, I, do you think this is her just getting kind of a god complex? Like, because she... I don't know. Like, Billy, Billy has seemingly just kind of confirmed what she has been thinking this whole time. Because we've talked about her thinking she's destined for something, but she doesn't know what she's destined for. And now Billy's kind of laid this out in front of her. Now she's drinking her own Kool-Aid, if you will. Yep. No. I think she's... I think any... <laughs> I think anyone that runs a cult at a certain point probably has this moment where like, you know what? I can do it. I am the person like this is it. And like she says this whole thing. And when she gets to the like F word, F, she's like, it's like her realizing she can do it. Like she's like, oh, like yeah. this is it. This is it. I've got it. Um, and then she kicks I think down she that. says that. Gun. At the end, she's like, yeah, effort, effort, effort. And then she's like, yes, yes. She also right. does a couple of those, like, under her breath. Like, yeah, she's found her, I don't know, her battle cry for her soon-to-be lackeys. Sure. She kicks down the door to the restroom of the Dippies. She's like, hey, get me a twist cone uh, in Reese's ma- magic shell. Uh, and then she <laughs> finds Perry. Coincidentally, they're all in the same place. Uh, she's like... Perry, there's something you need to know about your father. And then mm-hmm. they bounce. And I honestly, I didn't see it coming that she was going to show him the hole, but she did. We're then at the uh, Native American Festival. There's a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, a lot of chanting. I like the guy, the MC on the mic. He's like, and now <laughs> yeah. for our uh, literal dancers, you get out there. And there's like adorable kids doing their dances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joy, as you mentioned, she's like, makes eye contact, eye contact with one of the dancers, like something's going on here. Uh, and she just knows, oh, they have a conversation. Her and Martha have a conversation where she's like, there's something mm-hmm. missing with this case. Cause Martha's like, you did it. You got him. Um, and she's like, no, nah, there's something missing. So she's got the mission accomplished banner behind her. Uh, but, uh, she knows there's something else kind of going on. And I think, I, I don't know exactly kind of what's going on here, but this is a long scene. It's a long sequence, and I think it's 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 very beautifully shot and uh, very interesting. But I love the way that it just it keeps kind of focusing in on Joy and just getting closer and closer and trying to – she's trying to make sense of this and something right. that happens there. Something that's kind of like the catalyst for her to kind of um, – we already knew she's going to go to uh, Frank's ranch, but I think she's now kind of open potentially to the idea of – you know, some timey-wimey stuff going on. Ugh. <laughs> oh, it's been over an hour and we finally said it. Thank goodness. <laughs> We're then back at the Tillerson Ranch. Uh, Luke is in with uh, Comatose <laughs> Wayne. He very sweetly gets on the bed, hugs uh, <laughs> Wayne Tillerson. Uh, Billy walks into the room and can't stand to see his father receiving affection from his other uh from his brother he's he's just consumed with jealousy and he says luke you don't hug my dad like that um that's how i interpreted this scene did you interpret this scene differently i I don't know what luke is doing here clearly he's trying to he's holding a pillow over his father's face (laughs) i mean he's trying to put his father to sleep but i don't get like luke's motive here like what's he doing He's he seemingly just got proof of when we talked about this earlier of like he thought his dropped dad was crazy talked about this void in this hole for the longest time and now he gets proof of it. Um, is he just 
does he see the dollar signs and he just wants to now take advantage of this land and whatever this whole can bring um like why does he choose to at this moment kill his father good point i think you nailed it i think he sees dollar signs he thinks to himself okay. i have a infinite hole so i can charge whatever government i want for them to put all of their nuclear waste through this hole uh <laughs> all of their solid waste all of their liquid waste he's like i'm gonna charge him by the gallon the ton doesn't matter all he's seeing is dollar signs um and he thinks if i can drown this gentleman in feathered down pillows uh then as soon as he's gone i can do the same to billy um and as long as he does can the we same, agree can we agree on one thing though if those are it's a feathered pillow it's owl feathered pillow Yes, oh, 100%. Okay. Everyone knows owls have Thank the you. softest of feathers. Um, <laughs> and so, yes, that's exactly what he's seeing. He sees it as mm-hmm. much like uh, Mr. Uh, waste Management, the owner of Waste Management, the company. Um, John Management. John Management, thank you. Um, he sees dollar signs. So, no, I have no idea why he's trying to murder his dad other than um, it seems to me this whole makes the Tillerson family crazy because uh, <laughs> he wants to do it. Billy pulls him off. My favorite thing is when Luke is on top of Billy and he's like, has his fist in his mouth and he's like, why don't you sing? <laughs> yeah. Like he's repeatedly asking him like why he sings, which I feel like at this point, Luke is like a, a surrogate for the uh, audience here. Like, we don't understand why he's constantly singing all these things, and it's driving Luke crazy, as it probably has some of the audience. Uh, it brings so it's a joy, we didn't stay It's not this. hard to figure out. <laughs> Billy's got a great voice, and he loves to sing. Boom. If I had a great voice, I'd sing too. Does Wayne wake up? Does this cause him to wake up? Are we supposed to, or is he is he still comatose? I don't know. Like, I feel like Wayne's like his eyes have been open. Like he's still kind of like there, but he's not like, he's not just like in a coma. I don't think like he just kind of seems, I mean, I don't know what a medical term is, but yeah, he's, he's definitely moving and breathing, you know, once he's uh, no longer has a pillow over his face. Yeah. Me- moving and breathing is the medical term. That guy's, but he probably is right. Cause the idea of him being more prominent for the finale would make some sort of sense. Him, miraculously getting out of bed and confronting some character in some way yeah him and his sons are all going to do lines of magical rock off dead owls feathers <laughs> that's uh how episode eight ends we're at frank's house and this is where i want to be every day of my life figuring out what is happening at frank's house joy pays mm-hmm. a visit she's walking around uh i don't know if you noticed that but in the rocks is a abbott ranch symbol it's carved in the stone mm-hmm. Um, it is. You know, it looks like the Star Trek badge symbol. Um, can I ask you something? Yes, sir. You can. If I, if I may, is this the Abbott Ranch symbol, or did the Abbott Ranch like take this symbol because they found it or saw it somewhere else? Like, I feel like this symbol has more to do with this the time travel, the the hole, the void, than it does specifically the Abbott family. Like, it's it's older than the Abbott family. Tom, I'm glad you asked, and I'm going to go back to um, probably. The phrase I'm most known for. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I don't have any idea. Uh, I don't know. Um, there's this weird dark crack trail of magic time dust that she's following. Did you? 
at first I thought it was like a seismic crack, like it was literally a crack in the earth. But on second watch, I do feel like it was probably the mineral, like the dust, mm. timey-wimey mineral. Okay. I don't know. What did you think? Um, I thought it was caviar. Just black caviar and piles <laughs> flowing. I mean, that's probably... You know how Frank rolls. Yeah, that's where the money is. They're <laughs> like, oh, like if we can harvest this caviar crack. Uh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Royal walks home because Royal's never asked for help for a, a day in his life. Uh, you know people stopped and were like, hey, Royal Abbott, we know who you are. Would you like a ride? <laughs> Uh, the school bus drove by, and they're like, hey, do you want us to drive you by your house and then drop you <laughs> off so you could walk backwards? And he said no to all of them. Perry, as soon as he gets home, Perry's like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy rocked, walked all the way from the royal rink. He's like, let's go for a ride. So they hop on horses, and they ride out to the hole. And at the hole, this is where Royal decides to tell his son. He's like, hey, remember when you were nine and you beat that kid to death and I almost told you a story? Well, guess what? I'm going to finish the story. <laughs> and so we get this flashback of Royal as a young boy hunting with his dad. Uh, he sees a beautiful, uh, it's either a deer or an elk, I can't remember. And then instead of shooting said elk, he shoots his dad, which is a terrible accident. And, I mean, I don't know. Dad probably didn't do a great job of teaching his son how to shoot. I feel like when young Royal is trying to, like, hold up this gun, it's, like, barely, he can, like, barely even hold it up. Um, So to separate yourself from your son is probably not the greatest of hunting. I don't know. I don't hunt a lot. When I do, generally, it becomes camping trips. Um (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're not very but successful. uh i don't know you you hunt more is this is this a wise way to teach a youth how to hunt granted this was late eight, or 1800 so well it led in the death of the father so i would say no it was not the wise wise way <laughs> okay. of teaching him um well his father was wearing his like antler hat too which i thought was weird that's true he wasn't wearing blaze orange he was dressed <laughs> he was in a deer coat he was draped in a okay deer so skin. <laughs> this takes me back to my pin, and I don't know if this is going to come of anything. Um, but where he shoots his dad is in like the upper left part of his chest. Okay. I don't know if there's anything to draw of this, but I thought it was kind of interesting that the bear gets shot right in that same place where his dad does, and like maybe the royal's dad is. You know, we talked about the whole idea of the souls is the soul of royal's dad in this bear. Are they trying to draw some conclusion there? I just thought it was interesting that. Those bullet wounds were in the same spot. Hmm. Okay. I would venture farther down the road of the buffalo being his dad as opposed to the bear being his dad. Because I think the buffalo okay. has more effect on Royal's life than the bear. But I do like the connection that you've made. Um, I think it just shows that both Cece and Royal are good shots. You know? <laughs> Fantastic shots. Yeah. Fantastic shots. Fair. Always hitting what they aim at. Um, the young, the young boy after shooting his father goes back to his homestead, sees his mom and sister and decides, I can't tell them that I just shot daddy-o. Uh, and so I'm going to walk into this field in the West pasture, I'm assuming, and jump into the hole. Now, does this hole, we don't. Well, we see the hole appear, right? Like in this sequence. So the idea is 
the hole is appearing for him, right? It's got to. Like, he needed this hole because he needed to escape. Or at least as a kid that went through this incredibly traumatic experience, he needed to escape, right? So the hole has some sort of, like, sentience, or it, it comes to people for specific reasons, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're gathering from this. And I didn't hit it with Perry, but you hit it at the beginning where, like, the hole must have appeared for Perry, and because when he dives through it, it disappears. So yeah, maybe mm-hmm. the po- the hole is sentient. I think all of us at some point in our life wish there was a hole in the ground we could jump into <laughs> uh, and disappear. Um, so he jumps through the hole as he's telling Perry the story. He jumps through the hole, and Perry has the wherewithal, which I would not, uh, of asking when was this, <laughs> and <laughs> Perry and Royals like. Oh, uh, 1886, and I appeared in 1968. Um, yeah. Which 82-year jaunt. I'm not going to do the math, but, I mean, 500-year difference? What, what's the difference between those two years? <laughs> 82 years. 82 years. Now, are we supposed to believe he spent 82 years in this hole? No, I think it was instant. <laughs> okay. Was that a serious question? I just see young... It wasn't a serious question. Okay, because I answered it seriously. I even snapped my fingers. <laughs> do I don't know? Like I don't know. Let's let's wrap up the act because I've got more questions about theorizing about the hole and how what's, it moves. And what's crazy, Tom, is I don't have any questions. I I know exactly <laughs> what's happening. Uh, okay. Oh, the Abbott family took him in, which is cool. Um, and so yeah. I do think there is one thing we get from this, though. The fact that Royal did lie to his family. And I don't know who this exactly had this conversation with, but he said, um, you know, I didn't know what happened to myself before I was nine. It might have been to Hottam. Like, he can't remember his life before nine. But clearly, this backstory shows, yes, he does. He he knew of maybe not all of his childhood, but he knew of this traumatic experience and what, what happened here. So Autumn said the same thing. Autumn said that she didn't know what happened before. So... The assumption is that royal light in this, maybe Autumn is lying and she does know um, what happened, but I don't know. I still get the sense that Autumn does not know what's going on. There's more to Autumn's early life that we don't know, and maybe we'll find out. That's fair. That's fair. I do, I mean, I want to give royal props that he's been living as long as he has without a social security number. I don't know how he's gotten away with that. That probably explains why he doesn't have a cell phone. Um <laughs> Perry tells Royal that Autumn knows she knows a lot of things. He's like, she knows a lot of things. She's a really good kisser. Um, And then Royal's like, no, I saw the thing with Billy, and no, that was weird. Anyways, um, she said, uh, Rebecca's not gone. Nothing's really gone. There's a plan. And then he's like, it's safe, This is where he gets that look in his eye. And and, and, And Royal's like, no, son. And then Perry jumps as one does when they find a smoky hole in the west pasture and the (laughs) hole closes and we find Mm -hmm. autumn watching in her red outfit on a quad watching all of this happen and that was uh i've been told that was out of (laughs) range i've been told you know all the answers so i'll go ahead and start does this void appear to those in need? We've kind of talked on it a little bit. Is that your thought? Like, that? did this void appear for Perry, but Royal was the one that found it? Yes. Okay, good, good. Next one. Did it appear for Rebecca? No. Okay. 
But it did appear for Perry. Yes. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Well, we've solved it. This has been Outer Range Season 1. We hope you guys join us for Outer Range Season 7, which is the next time we're going to pick up the show because I'm not watching Season 2 through 6. Is the idea of, is the idea like, I'm still just confused about the movement of the hole. Like, we've seen people, like, you know, eat the dust, get the dust on their hand, and it kind of pushes them towards the future. Um, But when Royal gets shoved into the hole and then when he jumps back into the hole it just takes him forward two-ish years and then brings him back to the exact moment in time like is that because like the hole wasn't for him it was for perry so when you jump into the hole it i don't know does yeah that's not meant for you it does something weird i don't know i'm just i'm theory crafting without any answers but no 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 i'm i'm with you well I think the hole itself and the like the rock element are different, right? Is the rock element night not a residual of maybe where the hole was before or what caused the hole? Um, like mm-hmm. I separate those two because I don't feel like you can grab what's in the hole and and like hold it like a stone. It's like I agree with that, yeah. And then to your point, and we can I guess pinpoint maybe the time. Is like okay, the hole is meant for Perry because he's the one in peril. <laughs> um, when Royal jumps through it, he goes he goes forward two years, and then when he jumps back through it, he is seeing him in the kitchen with Perry talking to Sheriff Joy. Right? Is that not that's the scene he? Sees no, that was when he put his hand in. That's he when saw he like a very in. brief glimpse. Mm-hmm. When he jumps back into the hole, when Cece tells him to run. He just seemingly appears. Appear, we don't uh, know. Yeah, same day. Yeah. Episode right ends when he came back. And, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Tom, remember when I told you I had all the answers and hadn't figured <laughs> out? I've got a confession. I lied. Like one thing I, I read, I was looking at like an article on this episode, and one of the things that it kind of mentioned was like the sins of past life that he's like trying to keep hidden have kind of now destroyed his new family, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing. Like he's trying to keep the void, the hole, like all these things locked away from his family, and it's like his his past sins from you know the accident of, of hitting his father is like now kind of catching up to him, if you will, because he never like atoned for him. He never face those demons if you will and it's i don't know finally caught up to him does that make any sense i mean it does i would argue that like he was a nine-year-old kid with a loaded weapon that accidentally shot his dad like that to me <laughs> that to me is not a sin that to me is an accident like i don't i mean how do you atone for that um but yeah i, I ooh, let's i mean i'm ready for episode eight buddy um this <laughs> to your point this episode, like, got me back in. There was some good stuff in it. Uh, a lot of good, lot of good needle drops. You know, we got um, "Running Up the Hill" by Kate. What's her name? And it was all good. <laughs> um, but no, I'm excited to end this show uh, because I really think they're going to land it. I think they're going to answer all our questions. I don't think they're going to ruin my day by telling me that there's a season two. Um, <laughs> That's do you really not want like is it has it been like I, I'm with you like there's been some times throughout this journey where it's kind of slowed down and it's gotten a little bit too off the rails but I think overall I've still enjoyed this and I've enjoyed talking through the show with you whether it lands it or not um, I think I've still had a good time but do you have any specific like 
predictions or thoughts of what we're going to see in the finale or you don't even want to think about it just experience Um, it no i think we're going to understand i mean i hope we understand like where perry's gonna go um but maybe it's like what your wife thinks maybe we're just gonna find out that perry's gone the ranch is now forfeit i mean this all makes sense for the flash forward two years like the land's Mm -hmm. gone because but perry's in that He's standing in that um, flash forward. Ooh, was he? Right? Oh, that's, that'd be a is great pickup. He's up there, on uh, and so is Luke with a handgun. So how long is Perry gone? Uh, I, you know, I'm interested to know what Perry did to Rebecca, you know, what Royal did to Rebecca. Uh, I feel like we got to solve that, right? We got to right. know about Rebecca. They can't have, have that looming over the entire season to not answer or at least give us more to that. I really hope they give us something about the animals because that's been kind of a, a weird <laughs> yeah. thread that yeah. has just been so weird and so goofy. And I mean, I'm sure there's a neat way they can do it, but if they just leave that as like just really weird, ominous nature stuff and souls, like I don't know any more, any more for that thread of the storyline. Yeah, the only thing I know is that Jasper's innocent. That's the only thing I know. Um, I mean, do you have any predictions? Anything you want to put out into the world other than we're going to find out what the animals do? I don't know, man. I've thought about it, but then, like, to your point, like, there's just so many things that could happen. Like, I don't know where the show wants to land, and I haven't read up anything because we know we've watched this a little bit after it's been fully released. I tried to stay away from seeing if there's a season two or seeing what kind of theories and stuff have been out there any like things i read online or just specific things about episodes so yeah i don't know i think i'll just uh just watch and enjoy it and we'll see what happens see if they can land it also perry is not in jail in the flash forward so like that's the other thing he so he's back and he's not in jail so he i mean if he would have been convicted so perry for, was with cc like on the sidelines there when they're all waiting for the hole when they flash to the people watching, we see Autumn dressed in yellow with all of her people, yep. all of the Teletubbies. Mm-hmm. And then we see, um, <laughs> unless I'm making this vision up, we see Perry standing off there because we don't see Rhett. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's kind of when you thought, oh, maybe Rhett's going to go down for the murder. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have Luke pop out uh, with the handgun. There's no Billy. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, this is all conjecture. Let's go watch episode eight and figure out what happens. They're going to land this plane. They're going to land this Bronco. (laughs) I believe in them. Um, If you guys have questions, theories, before we get to this finale, please send them over to us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow Mm -hmm. us on Twitter at something... At Team Binge, Twitter, Instagram, we're active on those two. Uh, keep the questions coming. We're still thinking about what we might uh, do as we're waiting for season three of Lasso to come out. If you have any suggestions on shows that you've watched recently, you think it'd be fun for us to dive deeper into, uh, feel free to reach us uh, on those social medias or email. That's true. And as I mentioned uh, at the top of this, Tom and I are heroes. We're doing uh, the good work <laughs> by making you watch a show one week at a time and really focusing on it. Um, And the only way that heroes can sustain themselves is monetarily. Uh, So Tom and I are going to be setting up a fund that you can send money to. And 
If you've ever looked at our <laughs> if you've ever looked at our logo, our logo is blue and I think it has a shield on it. So to be ironic, <laughs> uh, we kind of went with the opposite of of like for our donations. So we did a, a a red logo with a cross, and we haven't gotten the website yet, but it's probably going to be like redcross.org, something like that. So if you want to support mm-hmm. Tom and I, go to our website, redcross.org, uh, and give some money there. Uh, and that will, fantastic fuel, idea. that will fuel us, your heroes, who are keeping you uh, binging things over time. Um, yes, as long as they're donated in the names of either just Julian for Julian's name and either our Gumshoe or Cowboy Tom. That's true. So, so I our, ask. So our soon, soon, we haven't gotten the domain yet, but I'm sure it's available. So redcross.org, <laughs> yeah. uh, send some money there uh, to support Tom and I as we are heroes. So... Um, thank you for joining us. We'll see you for the finale of this crazy show. Uh, I have been Julian. I've been Cowboy Tom. Yeehaw, everybody.